Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjo Gall. Hello and uh, welcome to this segment on CTN. To learn more, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And our topic for today is tackling organizational fitness challenge. When I say the organizational fitness, what I'm referring to here is as we are looking at an organization which is going to be going through some rough times or some disruptions, some fundamental changes or some rapid volatile uh, and uncertain times overall, it'll have to be able to stay resilient, be, will be able to, it, sh- it should remain uh it should remain fit, like for lack of a better word, since we're talking about fitness here, so that you are able to keep delivering value to who we serve. So that said, what are the business and technology leaders doing and how are they teaming up to tackle this fitness challenge? And for that, we have Sue Workman, who's the CIO of Case Western Reserve University. She's joined us and we'll have a conversation about it. So, hey, Sue, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. Can't be better. I mean, I always enjoy having conversation on such subjects, and <laughs> you've been always a fantastic guest for us. So, so without further ado, let's get started. So, I always believed, at least, you know, it happened with me as an individual that, okay, uh, life goes on, you don't work out, and sometimes you have a health challenge, so it's a wake-up call. And then you say, oh, my God, we got to be fit. And this is no different than in many organizations where they feel nothing can go wrong with us or whatever we are doing today, if it's working out okay, we'll just work, we will just continue, you know, going ahead in the same fashion. Only when they get a wake up call is when we start thinking about preparing and preparing to stay fit. It's almost like a workout for an organization. So if you were to take this mindset what is preventing us from getting over that mindset in the first place? Well, I think there's many things. And I really like your um, analogy of fitness to both humans and the organization. I think that makes a whole lot of sense. And I think like some humans who are physically fit and and um, really take it seriously, some organizations are the same way and make organizational fitness a priority, and these are really the healthy ones. And so I think also like humans and fitness, um, those who those organizations who don't take care of themselves um, are, are the ones that, you know, may in fact need that wake-up call. And in some instances, it could be too late. Um, I think, I'm as you said, I'm in higher education, and higher education right now is going through um, quite a bit of turmoil, and you know we're seeing colleges, especially smaller schools, um, close and and just close up their doors and um, or or merge or do things we haven't seen before in higher education or not much of in higher education. But um, you know, I so I think if it takes a wake up call, um, just like humans. Um, you're already a step behind if, if the wake-up call is needed. I mean, we know after a heart attack, um, humans can can come back and, and 
uh, stay or get fit and heal and live a longer life if they are working out and eating right and lower their stress. Um, but if you're starting an organization from a negative place, um, you may never get back to the health that you had. Uh, just like humans, I think organizations are the same. And to really solve this, um, we have to have true leaders that know and understand the markets and where we are moving and preparing organizations ahead of time um, for the near future, as well as looking you know, further out for upcoming needs um, and, and make adjustments, even if they're hard ones. So just like working out, I mean, sometimes you know, the harder workout is needed and, um, and you just have to, <laughs> you just have to, you know, suck it up and do it. And, um, but I think in organizations, it's organizations, it's really all about leadership and the preparations there. So if you look at organizations, which today, like in volatile environment and the uncertain environment that we are living in, do you think, think there are organizations still who would muster the courage of staying put and not shifting? Because most of the times when somebody wants to be fit, that whole human fitness analogy is when Mm -hmm. they know that's the only way they will be able to survive. If somebody says that I'm going to go climb Mount Everest, they would not just one fine Mm -hmm. morning after breakfast say, okay, let's take a flight there. Right? So they prepare. For a marathon, they prepare. But when an organization is working and maybe it has some agenda for business growth and other things, is it the the ignorance or is it a deliberate, uh, you, you just kind of uh, look away from the turbulence which might come to you and ignorance is bliss is the mantra which makes people feel, okay, let's keep doing the things which we are doing and not do certain things which will keep us fit for us to maintain that continuity. You see what I mean? You get so enamored by what's in front of you and you spend all your energies and time on it, but you don't do anything which will keep you doing the same or making the same investment for future. You know, like you, you uh, a marathon runner has to drink water be- before they feel thirsty. Mm-hmm. But that an All organization right. is not doing. And when it's yeah, not doing, do, do you go, how do we rattle somebody's cage to say, wake up? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think that that's an interesting question. And I think it's up to the leadership. I, mean, I think it, true leaders can do that. And I think you do that by strategic planning and, you know, just making sure that um, you have a a roadmap, if you will, that um, others can follow or a playbook. Um, Maybe I would call instead of a roadmap that others can follow. And, um, you know, I think if organizations don't um, change and wake up and, and see how the value, I mean, you, you know, you can, you can name organization after organization that didn't change. I mean, like Kodak, right? I mean, you know, they were the number one filmmaker for ever. And you know what? We don't use film anymore. You know, Blockbuster that, you know, was the, where everybody went on Friday night to get movies for the weekend. And now we have them on our phone. We don't have to, we don't have to go to a store. And so, you know, there's just, Examples after examples of 
industries and companies that that didn't make that change. And then there's those that really see the future. And so sometimes I think um, organizations, I mean, part of the fitness, um, you know, it, it may be an incremental change that they need to make, or it may be a very large change that they have to really leapfrog in order to get to um, the next version of itself. And um, I think organizations today just have to have leaders that are willing to um, make hard decisions. And and um, it's not easy. I mean, just like I said, just like exercising, it's not easy to make those hard decisions. And sometimes you take a risk. You don't know it's going to if it's going to pay off or not. <laughs> and, um, you know, but I think that, that we as, as CIOs and as leaders, we have to really help the organizations make those changes and um, not be comfortable necessarily in, in how we're doing things or what we're doing, but really look at what's best for the organization and, and to keep it viable for the future. So I have a friend who turned 50 last year, and he mentioned that I have just started changing my lifestyle, and it's not that suddenly dawned upon me that I'm going to die in another 50, but it's more to say I'm going to live every day starting to today the best I can and to be able to do that and ensure that for tomorrow not 10 years from now, but for tomorrow, I'm going to exercise today. This is mm-hmm. less of a morbid thought where you're not, mm-hmm. you're not doing it out of fear of death. You're doing it because you want to make the most for what you're doing today. I'm going to do better than today, and it'll be full of vitality. Now, that said, is the organizational mindset, the word wake-up call almost insinuates that we're t- we are doing it out of fear. But is right. there a sentiment that could prevail, similar to what my friend has, is say, I want to be able to do things better tomorrow, and for that, I have to do what it takes to remain fit for tomorrow, but not because of there's an uncertainty. It's a mm-hmm. difference, right? I mean, I'm just trying to bring up the nuance of fit- fitness and less fear-based. Right. Yeah, I, I- I agree with you. I mean, I think that's a much better place to be <laughs> is to be in the positive and, and um, really looking, you know, forward to what can I do today to be better than yesterday and to make the best of this day. And, and so I think, you know, again, it, it's really, it's being conscious though of, of what's happening in any particular industry that you're in and um, being able to vision it, being able to get your staff um, prepared and um, able to, to make those changes and, and to set those mindsets. So I do believe it, it really begins with at the top. And I do believe that, you know, it has to be a team effort. It's not just the president um, or, uh, one or two leaders. I think the whole leadership team really needs to be aligned and willing to um, and ready, I guess, themselves, both fit and um, 
and ready to make these changes in order to uh, really influence the organization and move it forward. And then just find a couple. I mean, all you have to do sometimes is find a couple of champions in your stakeholders and and align with them and then get other people on the team and, and influence it and then show successes. And, you know, that I think if you can show some success and you can um, encourage that and reward that, it's a much more positive way to do it than to, um, you know, to, to do it in fear. Fear is not a good spot. I don't think you can be very productive when you're in fear and you can't be very, um, you know, influential even when, you, when you're afraid. I think leading from a, a spot of positive strength is certainly a, a much better, better place to be. So if you were to uh, look at the scope of what all we could potentially cover under the umbrella of an organizational fitness, if mm-hmm. an organization has a sound strategy, which has taken it account of what's possible tomorrow, then mm-hmm. if you have a good enough control on how and where the money is being spent, and then also talk about where we are to control the costs so that it is not good. Basically run a tight ship. Mm-hmm. And then how do we best make use of the resources? Because other resources, other than humans, you try to suck the juice out of it, the last drop if you can. And that's what business is about. But in humans, it right. works differently. While we call them human resource, but you need a different type of an approach to help that person deliver the most value and increasingly more value by treating them somewhere differently, developing them. Now, mm-hmm. all of these things are business as usual for any organization. Of course, everyone says we do this. But what would you say would be a comparison or a contrast to an organization which does focus on fitness versus, okay, we exist, we're going to do something, we'll deal with it when we have a dip or we will enjoy when we have, when when our organization soars versus a company which is intentional for uh, the fitness, right? I think there's there's several things that... um you know, you really do need to be intentional uh, for fitness. And, and and much of that, I believe, centers around people and, and just preparing your staff. So I think, um, you know, we have to, first of all, let our staff understand that there's an expectation and there's um, a, an investment that we will make in them to make them better and to um, help them keep uh, their skills up to to snuff here. And um, so I think we have to really make investments, intentional investments every year, especially in technology, um, but not only in technology, I think really everywhere, to um, make sure we have professional development um, happening. So it's not just technical skills, though. I mean, although that's important and the technology is always changing and we need to be able to deliver and service that technology, we also need to invest in 
professional development for succession planning and for to grow our, our managers and leaders and help them be good managers, um, both of humans and other resources, <laughs> financial and, and other resources. And I think we have to really put plans in place to be able to um, negotiate contracts and, so that we are getting as many of those pennies back as we can and, and keeping the organization fit. But, you know, I really, I concentrate first on people um, and then technology uh, because I, I think if we have the organizations that have really smart, the best people we can hire um, and, um, and let them go and give them resources, they will create and they will find things that... Um, need to be changed and, and then get excited about changing it. And so sometimes I think it's, it's the environment we also set um, so that we allow people to take some risks and um, really experiment and find out, you know, what, what are they good at? What do they like to do? And, and then what, um, what is the best thing for them to do to move the organization along? I also think, though, we have to really think about in IT especially, we have to really think about um, how we do um, spend our money and um, how we look at um, how how we look at how we spend that money and how we manage it. And so I, I really think that looking at every opportunity to um, reinvest is a good way to do that. So in my own organization, um, I have my own direct reports team. Um, any expenditure over a certain dollar amount, um, they all have to weigh in on. So whether it's IT security or whether it's applications or whether it's networks or whether it's support, um, they all get the opportunity to weigh in on that expenditure. They have 24 hours to do it. They have 24 hours to advise me, and I make that final decision. Um, same thing with every vacancy. There's no vacancy that goes without, um, or, or, or there's no vacancy that's just um, automatically available to refill. We look at every single one and say, is this the best use of our, our funding right now? It might have been three years ago, five years ago, seven years ago, whatever. But we look and say, is this the best use of our um, resources and our human-specific things right now? And everybody gets to weigh in. And what we do find is by doing this, there's a couple of things that really happen here. Um, we do find that sometimes we don't need that same position or we need we need it to look differently, or we can combine it with something else. And sometimes it, it's the idea that came from somebody else um, that says, oh, you know what? This person could do that. Let's use this position to do X, something new. Um, or also on the expenditure part, what it really does is it helps our entire team to know what's happening and, and they'll catch other things along the way. So it may be something that they uh, agree upon purchasing, but then they'll 
put something in and say, oh, well, we need to make sure that we have, you know, this team aligned or that team aligned and have we told school X that this is going to happen and, you know, just just to make sure that um, we have good communication. It's really improved that communication among my senior leadership team. And so, you know, I, I really think those kinds of things can really help an organization. Let's take an example of us going to a gym, right? Again, bringing it back to the connection to human <laughs> okay. fitness. I'm very All right. And, and and the reason I bring it back because it's easier to explain sometimes, right? So if I go to gym and I say I want to tone my body. So I'm going to do I'm going to you know google something. I'm going to talk to a few friends and I'll start doing. I may or may not get results. And take that in comparison to me signing up for a program with a sports trainer. Someone who I say this is my goal. And the person develops a regimen and makes me work out in a certain manner. And predictably, I see the results. Now let's take this back to your organization or anyone else trying to say that, okay, we are going to become fit or work towards becoming fit. Yes, we come, we all could say, this is what I'm going to try to do to become fit, but we do not have a playbook or we are not sure if this works. We do not have many times a luxury of looking at while sitting inside, looking outside in with an expert eye to say whether whatever we are trying to do is that it's going to take us somewhere. And we do not have a benchmark in many cases to say what do we change in strategy in what manner for it to deliver the right results? Where should I spend, uh, manage my spend and where all should I curtain my cost so it's going to give us the best effort? And the way traditionally we have been doing the talent development, maybe we have to change it in ABC manner for it to be able to bring the fitness to the degree we expect. We don't do that. We do the best we know. And then mm-hmm. it's like, you know, predicting weather. Oops, sorry, it did not get there, so we keep going. But that's not the yeah. recipe to become fit. Mm-hmm. So what needs to change? Suppose you had to make changes to your organization or somebody else who is listening has to make changes to their organization. Who is that sports trainer? Because one person or one company cannot from outside come and fix your whole organization. But that analogy were to be drawn and, and, and adopted in context of an organization, what should one do? You may not have tried it, but what would you have done if you were going as a consultant to another organization to help them gain that fitness level? Well, I have done it. <laughs> and um, sometimes, you know, actually sometimes it's easier to, <laughs> to see um, others' fitness than your own. I mean, you know, it's just it's just easier to go in and 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 see how others have um, have perhaps not staged it and um, advise them on it. In fact, most of the time that I have done um, other uh, consulting um, uh, jobs. I also, you know, on the plane home or something like that, go, man, I have to do that too. 
And, and then I have to, I mean, I just told somebody to do it. I have to do it too. So I think, you know, those are, are sometimes hard. I think, you know, how that happens probably, um, differs a little bit from organization to organization. And much of this, I think, is how fit the organization already is and how much in trouble it already is. Um, or And really, the leadership. So I think, um, and leaders can be successful um, getting organizations fit in many ways. I mean, one of those may be to have a consultant or have a different view expressed than what is coming from your internal organization or leaning on uh, companies that um, that do this uh, for the industry that you're in. Um, others, I think, is just um, the leadership has to really uh, take this upon themselves and... Um, you know, really prepare, really get your stakeholders in line. And um, I think when you when you get all of your stakeholders in line, and in technology, I'm not just talking about, you know, the technology implementers, but it may be a group of, peop- of technologists and others. Like, I mean, it may be IT architects and IT security and IT support along with those implementers but also has to be functional owners. And I, I really believe and have um, stole, uh, stolen a mantra of a CIO that used to be at Stanford that says, I believe the answer's in the room. And if you have smart people and can um, really listen well and bring out ideas and, and functions, I think that's a leadership trait that... Um, actually can can make your organization move forward because often you can't just do it yourself, but it's to get the right minds together and and really try to think through that. That may, like I said, that may also include some sort of um, consultant or it may or somebody that has an expertise in a, in a particular area that you're looking at or looking for. But, you know, it also just may be just getting the right minds together and uh, an aha will happen and and then you have to take that and implement it. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back and continue this discussion where we are going to try to make changes to be fit tomorrow. And even if we have a proven play, playbook, but the way the the things are shifting, and even the approach which is being proposed here for us to learn are not those big bang projects, but instead by design, we want to do things which are fail fast, fail small, and a lot of different experimentation, and then figure out what we're going to keep versus what we will not keep. This approach itself is creating cost overruns. It's creating chaos among the workforce because they don't know where are we going even. We do not know if we have a direction because we change, we have a strategy of the month. While the leadership might think they are trying to navigate through the haze, but a person who's coming as an employee, as a frontline staff or someone from IT, uh, a programmer, for example, they may not see it that way. So how do I 
if I was running this company, handle my costs, handle the way I spend, and still be able to predictably and confidently state that I'm working towards organizational fitness. How do I do that? What's the recipe? What's the way forward for any organization which attempts to do it? Let's explore that when I come back. Please stay tuned. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Sue, when we look at the different kind of investments are being made today in this whole crazy digital world, By design, we are saying we're not going to make big bets because things are shifting. Business models are shifting. Customer expectations are shifting. The way the partners come together, the way projects get done, everything has been fundamentally rethought and been disrupted. When you do that, and that's what people are trying to do, they're spending a lot of money. And it is put under the bucket of sandboxing, experimentation, and figuring out how to navigate through the haze, which itself creates an issue about not being able to run a tight ship. And it also prevents you from being able to create a strategy and get enough time to work on it, which is based on some core fundamentals, because if the fundamentals are changing, then you cannot say I have a sound strategy. And with all this madness, the very talent you're trying to develop, whether in terms of skills or temperament or whatever leadership qualities, You're telling them that every month or two, I'm going to give you a different job to work with, or we might shift our gears. So never a person as an individual, as a human is able to make up their mind, what am I going to do to add value? Because that's what's going to give them the confidence. If I presented to you this problem, which actually is there in most organization, how would you become that sports trainer and help this organization with these different uh, moving parts and bring it in shape, bring it to fitness. Well, I think I think there's a. It's a really good question, and I th- I think that you know it may differ from organization to organization a little bit, but basically, you know, you have to train um, your staff to be very flexible and open. Um, and ready for those changes. So much like if you went to a trainer and they're working on, say, your upper body strength, well, you don't know that in a couple of weeks it might be your legs that you need to have um, strengthened. And so 
you know, just picking one, one spot to strengthen in your organization may not uh, be sustainable over time, and you could, you could really hurt your organization by not keeping the whole thing strong. But I also think you mentioned that the, the costs and, um, you know, failing fast earlier and, and those kinds of things. And, you know, the spend management is, is really a tight ship. I gave an example a little bit earlier on, on how we are in IT at Case Western Reserve University, how we are, you know, managing our resources. And we have to be very, very careful because we don't have, I mean, we have enough, but we don't have um, the kind that, you know, we can just go um, and, you know, throw pennies to, to do things or throw dollars to do things. So um, we have to be very um, fit uh, in our minds as well and making sure that we have assessed all of our options, but also is this really an option that will work for us? And in our environment and in our culture and, um, and in our, you know, frankly, in our budget. And so I think pretty much everyone is in that spot that you have a budget and you have to put your bets on what you think will get you the biggest return. And, and so, yeah, there's some things that really, you know, do fail. And, and as soon as you recognize those failures as a leader, it behooves you to stop, um, change direction if you can. Um, but I think you know what your infrastructure is. You know what you have to have for the foundation um, and um, what you have to do and what your priorities of your organization are. And so you have to really put resources where that belongs and, and reallocate from places that maybe are not such high value to um, to you or your organization. And it just really comes down then to, to making good decisions or the best you can make. And, um, you know, I, I do think you were right that we, especially in this environment now, um, you know, things are, are still pretty good. I think, you know, we've been expecting some sort of downturn or a recession, Um coming up um so far it hasn't <laughs> thankfully but you know i think that that we need to have plans that says what if um you know we have to worry about um in, in higher education we have to worry about daca we have to worry about um international students um ability to get here um with visas we have to worry about um, downturns in the economy, um, and so I think it behooves us. I mean, even even one that's upcoming is a, a true cliff in um, 2025, where the number of 18 year olds is going to drastically shrink. So the number of available new college students or new students that are the traditional kind of college student that number is going to shrink. And so, you know, there will be great competition for those students. And um, we have to, pl- we're already 
looking at, you know, plans for that. Um, because if you, if you look around the industry in higher ed now, as I mentioned earlier, there's schools closing. There's enrollments already, um, that are already down. And so if we don't have the available resource, then we can't just go get them. And, um, so I think higher education needs to all be making plans right now for what's going to happen in five years with just the number of, of pure number of 18-year-olds. That doesn't mean there's not other students. I mean, yes, there are, but that means you need to perhaps reset some of your expectations and um, some of the plans that you have to not necessarily market to, you know, those 16, 17-year-olds. It means you need to go market to those perhaps that are, you know, 25 or 30 that haven't finished a degree or market to um, uh, students that want to change jobs or, or increase their um, their skills in an area. So it, it should, in fact, I think the winners here will have already um, figured out those plans when that, when 2025 hits and, um, and we'll have already made those shifts. If, if a school waits until they see, oh, 2025, the, the, um, well, probably 2026 actually, um, you know, enrollments are down and then again in 2027 and then again in 2028 and they aren't making those shifts to be fit and serve those industries, serve those students, then it's, it's too late. So all the changes that we discussed or someone is going to be able to lead the charge, at least we're expecting that someone will lead the charge. Now, at the same mm-hmm. time, we know there is also flux in the leadership itself. And any tweaks, if you will. So if I were to say, draw a parallel of saying a sports trainer being the leader in the company in this case. But isn't that the risk? Because the moment that sports trainer goes away, so does fitness. And what we are instead saying is, okay, let that sports trainer come, go for, you know, help you train and learn what that person was helping you do so that you can continue on that path, which in a way means enablement of the organization which would maintain its fitness level with or without the intervention of the leader once they reach a certain level of fitness and understanding and knowledge of how to maintain it. Organizations have the potential to be able to do so, but very few are able to get there where their their capacity, their fitness level transcends the leadership. What would be the recipe to that, where organization could be self-sustaining, whether or not a leader stays or goes, whether or not that person triggered this whole fitness uh, regimen? Well, I do think that part of the role of that leader has to be to have a succession plan and to have their their senior leadership and and others... um, fully capable of um, running without them. And um, I, I know that's not sustainable real long-term, but at least um, in, 
in the short term to be able to, you know, until they find the next right leader. Um, so, and it may already be somebody that's, that, that, that previous leader taught. So, um, you know, I just think that um, the strength of the organization, you know, at, as the fitness trainer, as the leader of that fitness uh, regimen, um, really has to work not as the one telling or or prescribing exactly what to do, but as a leader of a team that that team then can go and perform. I mean, you know, it's just like a sports team. If you if you want to take a sports team, and I mean, I played college basketball and softball, and um, let's just take basketball. So you have usually sometimes uh, you have a star that you know. My job usually was to get the ball to that star to shoot, <laughs> and not not shoot myself. But um, <laughs> although I did sometimes, um, but. Um, was to get the ball to them. And, you know, what happens if you build all of your plans and all of your um, plays around this star and then they get hurt or they're sick or whatever? And you have to be able to have plays that that somebody else can step in and um, or that um, are different, um, that that fit the personnel that are out there. And you can't just, you know, put that um, that play out there when that star gets hurt. You better already have those in in the players' heads before um, before they go out on the floor and and practice those and, and make sure that you have a team that's that's really ready to go. And in, in any case, not just in the best case. And so I, I think that that analogy is very apropos to um, our industry today is you, know, you can't just build a strategy around a single leader or a single vision or a single person. Uh, you really have to build that strategy around multiple um, views and and be able to quickly switch if, if needed and... Um, you know, switch leaders or switch players or switch plays or or whatever the case may be. Now, let's take the example of a relay race. And the reason I bring this up is because it is a parallel to us building our talent. But frankly, in today's day and age, it's almost impossible to have all talent in-house for you to be able to deliver to your customers. That means you rely on partners. Your talent development or talent availability is also uh, going to be affected by the intent and the investments your partners would make towards building that pool that you are planning to tap into. When we have that type of an environment where there are external dependencies, it's complex as is to handle talent in-house do you think we could just play customer to those partners and 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 treat them as vendors and mandate our uh, ask and things will fall in place and we will become and stay fit? If not, what's the best way to approach partners 
so that our suppose we are a black box as an organization which is delivering and yes we are using partners uh, to support us but to the customer it's a black box how can that black box be kept fit well I think that that's a good strategy, first of all. Um, We use that strategy um, quite a bit for either um, talent that we we don't have and we want to sometimes test out um, an individual, um, so we bring them on as a contractor, or we have, you know, partners that supply those things where we don't want to have to hire or, say, a high-watermark service. Uh, service level, we want to hire for the average and then be able to augment um, should that service um, level increase quickly. Um, and so really to, to do that and what we what my strategy has been around this is to include those partners as employees and treat them as employees um, even though they're paid, from someplace else. So, you know, we make sure that when we have staff meetings or when we have um, various educational opportunities, um, we include them and and treat them just as if they were um, one of ours. And so um, I, I really think that that's, a good way to do this. And so um, we recently opened a new uh, health education campus here at Case Western Reserve that is interdisciplinary uh, education between our medical school, our um, school of nursing, and our uh, school of dental medicine all, all together before they were all in separate places. And we really wanted these students to get to work together and understand how to work together um, before they would say go to a hospital or before they enter their professional career. We don't, we want to train them prior. And so, um, you know, we, this is a a new building that's 500,000 square feet that um, has the atrium is the size of a football field. It's a it's a joint project with Cleveland Clinic, and so you know we're opening this whole new area with that increased our number of of a div, increased our number of AV devices and devices in classrooms by fourteen hundred, um, and it was new technology. Uh, from from both vendors and um, new technologies that we had not um, experienced before. So we really didn't know how to support it. We didn't know what it was going to take. So, yeah, we invested a little in, in, our, in hiring for this new area, but we also um, have contracted some of it out to just say, we don't know. Now, we don't know if there's going to be need at, you know, 11 p.m. or if there's need at 2 a.m. or if not. Or, so um, it, it's actually worked out great. And um, we have learned um, since this place opened in um, July of this year um, basically what it's going to take and, what, and, and um, doing that with 
some support staff from other areas, um, I mean, by, by vendors, um, has, has worked out perfectly for us to really, really understand. Um, and again, you know, I don't want to staff for high watermarks. So I don't want to, I want to have service for that first week of school when everybody needs everything. Um, but I don't want to carry them until, you know, half the semester that we don't need them. And so it's really worked out well for us to have these kind of partners and, and form partnerships so that the, the company owners understand and can, can train and also staff themselves um, and be ready for us. So if you look at the different aspects that we spoke about, technology, of course, is becoming the very fabric for most organizations and related quality of what that foundation is, that will matter. At the same time, we still have people raising eyebrows when you go with a plan to invest in technology. The good plan, hopefully. With the Mm -hmm. skepticism that IT is always there to buy the next shiny toy. If we are talking about organizational fitness. What needs to change in terms of the equation and the relationship between business and technology so they're not spending time in this tug of war and actually invest timely to make sure that you're proactive enough to go through that fitness. It's almost like a sports trainer says, Okay, you have to start doing it. You have to meet this goal. But where's the equipment? And people don't have it. Mm-hmm. That's not going to fly. That's not going to get you to that goal. So we still have these issues in companies. And the the businesses are becoming more and more, the business leaders are becoming more and more skeptical because they say, last six months, you have changed or brought new technology. What happened with it? Why do I keep signing on checkbooks and I don't see something material come out of it? And you say you're sandboxing and you're experimenting. So what would you do to make sure that the best thing happens to the organization? Whatever that you would have done. So, so what would be your approach in today's day and age with what's, what we're dealing with with respect to technology investments? Yeah, well, I have heard those. Same words um, <laughs> um, at times, um, and and I think that it really is in a lot of the prep. Um, I think there is a lot of shiny new objects, you know, around that 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 do, do catch your eye, and that could be of benefit. And I think we really have to think about, you know, what what is the return on that investment and how soon can you get that? And is that the best, the best place of your money? So um, let's just take cryptocurrency. Um, right now, you know, you see some, some organizations and even some universities that are accepting cryptocurrency for tuition or, payment of some sort and you know we know that this technology has true potential and 
it's the new thing and it's kind of the cool thing and um, could we do it? Should we do it? And so actually, I actually did have this little discussion with, with a couple of people here um, probably a year ago or so saying, you know, could we do it, first of all? And the answer came back, yeah, we can do it. And then the second question is, should we do it? And is it time? And when you think about when I, you know, that was, that was the key question. So I think asking the key questions is absolutely a necessity. So the key question is, should we? Because we could. And basically, I talked myself out of the fact that just because we could, we should. There's still too much risk in it for accepting things, you know, critical things like tuition money and, um, or, you know, even some, some platforms are starting to put their transcripts um, in blockchain. I think that's when you have to be a follower. So, there, you know, you can be the innovator and the leader. You can be kind of in the middle. Or you can be the follower in technology. And so when you see that should we question, that may be when you want to move back from being the innovator to, to um, you know, a follower if, if the answer is no. There's other things that the answer is yes. So at that same seconds. time... We um, also were looking at the chatbot, at developing a chatbot, which we did internally. Okay, and so that we was have 30 an seconds. easy thing to do. To close. Okay. okay. Uh, that was the easy thing to do. We did it. It cost very little, and it was a big success. On behalf of the show and our listeners, thank you so much, Sue, as always, for sharing your thoughts and insights about how the business and IT leaders could collaborate and work as a fitness trainer, if that's what the parallel I draw, to effectively tackle the organizational fitness challenge. Thanks so much. Thank you. I enjoyed it. And thanks so much. Uh, and hope listeners you enjoyed, got some nuggets out of this. Please like us on Facebook, search for CTN CIO Talk Network, and be sure to follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. And please go ahead and subscribe to our podcast in over 20 syndication channels and give us your reviews so that more people discover us and benefit from these conversations. Thank you again for listening to this segment on CTN. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.